Abstract Athlete Podcast, a collision of art, sports, and science. Welcome, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. To our great sponsors and our amazing listeners, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you have any questions or comments, please send it to info at theabstractathlete.com. A reminder, we have two other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, The Abstract Doctors with Dr. G and Dr. C. You can follow us on social media under The Abstract Doctors or check us out at theabstractdoctors.com. Also, One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandridge podcast. Follow us at onemansethos.com or on social media under One Man's Ethos. You can also follow Tony on Instagram at Tony Mandridge or on Twitter at Tony underscore Mandridge. And you can check out his incredible photographs at TonyMandridge.com. Stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com, for information on subscription boxes and upcoming events and workshops. And make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms as well. Excited about the podcast today uh, and wanted to thank our buddy Dean Dickinson for helping set this up. Uh, As we speak with former world champion American freestyle BMX writer, musician, artist, and designer Taj Mihalich. Going to chat about his creativity, including designing bikes, and his new book uh, back before they uh, invented open face helmets. <laughs> I love that title. Uh, also going to talk about his incredible BMX career and injury that cut it short. Make sure to check out his site, tajmihalich.com, and you can also follow him on Instagram at Taj Lucas. Let's welcome Taj Mihalich. Thank you so much for doing this. Like, uh, like I said, um, I've done uh, done a podcast with um, Rick Thorne. Got a couple couple months back, and then he got me in touch with Dean, and then I asked Dean if he knew anybody. And so it's like it's kind of nice that it's kind of spreading out, you know, um, into different different areas. Like as I said, I think maybe when we talked during the email, you know, we like to work with professional and or retired athletes and veterans that are creative and like you fit right into that that space man and um looking at your you know like i want to first of all we're recording already (laughs) so um (laughs) yeah um but i uh really interested in the you know the new book that you just came out with but also just like in researching what you've done like you like like really interested in how you got into creativity um, and you know, like, and how it's benefited you. I know, like, like, I want to know if you still ride at all. I know you had surgery like in 2009, 2010, correct. And you had to kind of shut down everything. Like, are you able to ride at all now? Yeah. Um, I ride differently now though. Like I, BMX kind of hurts me generally. Um, it's sort of a, it's sort of like, the key thing in BMX is being able to like bunny hop stuff. Right. And that hurts my back. So that kind of makes it miserable to ride a BMX bike because it's always hurting. Right. 
Is that, was, that, was that kind of one of the reasons why so – I'm, I'm going to jump all over the place, sorry. <laughs> but is that one of the reasons why you you started your own um, bike company that was more of an all-purpose bike, like, you know, like a more of a road bike? Was that kind of one of the instigators for that? Yeah, that was – I mean, that's, that's Fairdale Bikes. And, um, yeah, so I rode for this company called Odyssey BMX, which is sort of like the big – they make all the parts. They make everything but frames. Right. And I rode for them for a long time. And after I got hurt, just coincidentally, they moved their design office to Austin, Texas, where I lived. Right. And it really was just luck. But like I was kind of coming out of surgery. I had like six months of rehab and just being foggy and pain pills and crap. And they're like, why don't you come work for us since you, you I, I told them I couldn't ride anymore and like to stop paying me as a pro rider. Right. So they hired me and with really no job and they let me just hang around and draw pictures. <laughs> That's Seriously, a hell of a gig, man. Yeah. For the first few months I felt ridiculous. I would just draw cartoons and <laughs> I, I mean, I'd help out where I could, but I didn't, I didn't have a job anyway. Yeah. So I, I kind of started riding big bikes cause I couldn't ride BMX bikes just like for transportation sake. And I started asking like, why, why isn't there a bike like this? Like I want it to do this. I don't want it to be a race bike or something. And um, they're like, let's make it. And so we started a company together and that's, that's how it happened. That's epic though. Like that, it's it's cool that like your creative outlets really spawned an entirely new thing. Cause I mean, that's what I find like really interesting um, about you and like reading. And again, like I'm not a, I'm not a BMX guy. Like I was, you know, growing up, but I was always, I think I mentioned that I grew up now he was younger than me, but I grew up with his sister uh, with Todd Lyons. And I, like I mentioned this to Rick Thorne and I remember always going up to this park and I was playing basketball, but I remember Todd riding around doing stuff and just like kind of just blown away. Like I've always been fascinated and infatuated with, with, BMX guys and and snowboarders and skateboarders because I just never had that skill, and and so like I always like watching watching how that manifested and and like you know like reading about you like you know I think some of the things I read is like you're one of the more influential freestyle BMX guys ever, and you're also a world champion. Um, you know, I mean, I think that that you know like that's pretty badass and I, i'm always interested to like were you always a, a creative person growing up like you know because i think you i think it said you started started writing when you were 12 or 13 so like that obviously like, takes over you know anything that we do physically like whether it's football basketball bmx snowboarding like that really takes over like a huge part of our lives but were you like drawing like between rides and stuff it was it that important to you no i mean it it took over like you said like when i was in high school i had a an art teacher who was convinced i was some protege and he <laughs> took me out of all my classes i didn't have gym class i didn't have language class i just had art class for like four hours of my six hour day that's awesome <laughs> it was cool uh although it wasn't maybe the best for someone who was really shy to just be locked in a room by himself all day right <laughs> But he, uh, he was convinced, you know, like this was what I was doing. I was going to be an artist. And, uh, but I just wanted to ride bikes. And that's all I did as soon as I got out of school. And 
I remember like telling him I wasn't going to go to college. I was going to go ride bikes. And he was like, you're wasting your life. You're wasting everything. But I, that's what I did. I, I went towards bikes and I mean, I don't really remember drawing a whole lot. And during my bike career, I was so focused on riding and applying all my creativity to bike riding. So I kind of hung it up for a long time. And it's really only after BMX was done for me that I started getting focusing back again on, on, on creating stuff. Right. Outside of bike tricks. Right, right, right. No. And it, cause I mean, you've done like you're a designer, obviously you're an illustrator. Uh, as I said, you've, you just put out a new book or is in the process of being put out. Is it, is it out actually? It's out. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you've also done animations. Like you have a lot of, um, really incredible, cool outlets that I think, um, you know, like I, I use the word when I talk to people on, on the podcast a lot, I, I use it a lot that inspiration. Cause I think obviously as somebody that is, you know, influ- so influential in a BMX realm and still are, I would say like your name still resonates, but also like to have that creative outlet, like you're inspiring up and coming kids that are BMX kids or, or, you know, X game, like, or just anybody that's athletic to like do this creative outlet as well. And I think not to like put the burden on you, but like, I think you have like the, these two outlets that we, at the abstract athlete, we like to talk about like that balance between the athletic side and the creative side. Like one of the things that Rick and I like talked about a lot was he never thought of himself as an athlete growing up and he actually said he hated all the football and basketball guys but i said you know it's like you guys practice just as hard and or harder than athletes in team sports and a lot of the stuff is you have to like be self-motivated because you don't have like a coach pushing you so in, in some ways i think that the athleticism is it's more driven in, in these X game worlds because of, because of that aspect. Yeah. I, I kind of agree with Rick. I sort of struggle with <laughs> athlete as a word. I think just because it makes me think of, for me, it was less about, I mean, you have to have some physical ability to do it. Right. And you're pushing yourself and you're right. You do ride a lot. And, but I think for me, it was just never, it was never a sport in that it was never something you could win. Right. Like I won some contests and that was cool and it's cool ego boost, but I always realized it's a judged sport. And so it's really subjective, you know, like, like towards the end of my X games riding, I really started to dislike those contests. Cause I realized if I did exactly what I wanted, I wouldn't even qualify because they're just looking for something else. You know, they want who can spin around the most. And that was not like what I was my heart was telling me to do. And I was let, I always let my riding come from what felt right to me f- through my own head, not what was going to win the contest. Cause you could tell what was going to win a contest. Right. And that wasn't necessarily what you wanted to do. So I don't know that, that made me struggle with I, I mean, athlete always seemed weird to me. Cause I, I didn't, I feel like it was never about winning. Right. Though there are guys who do do that. They do want to win X games. Like, and that's what they train to do. And it's a totally different style. Right. But, but yeah, I, I mean, on the other I guess side, I think it, athlete in, in terms of the practice component 
and what what it takes mentally and physically to go through the practice part to get to a certain level and and again like yeah i don't i mean obviously like like you said it's probably cool to win something but at the same time i think internally like it's you're competing against yourself in some ways um yeah it's pushing yourself it's growing it's like you know what it really is what i what i came to realize when i really got far enough it's it was overcoming fear it was constantly overcoming fear and it was like you'd think of something that you could do and something in your head would be like that would work but it's scary you're going to crash really hard if it doesn't work right so then the game is just like all right I'm going to, I think I need to do this. I'm going to put the fear out of my mind and I'm going to try to accomplish it. And so it was always this sort of like you're beating fear back to try this stuff. I mean, sometimes it was, sometimes it was like little tech stuff that was just fun to play around with, but a lot of it was like overcoming stuff in your head that, you know, was telling you not to do it. Right. What, you know, I think it's, it's, you know, you mentioned the X games and cause I always thought growing up that BMX and skateboarding was kind of, was so fringe, you know, like it, unfortunately again, like, again, I think that the skill that the, you guys come on, it's, it's again, like it's mind blowing to me, but it has become mainstream for lack of a better way to say it and and even past mainstream in some ways i mean you look at you know like the big the big guys like you used to ride for hoffman like he's he's such a huge brand tony hawk such a huge brand like what was that like kind of because you were in that generation that came up with when it was was growing up I was there before the X Games. I, I remember when the camera crew showed up at some of the early Hoffman contests pre pre X Games, and we're like, we just want to film. We don't want to interfere. Right. We're not going to change. And then, you know, a couple contests later, they were like, do you think you could do a pause right here so we could change film? And that started taking away from the energy of the event. And then, you know, fast forward, and it was like, it wasn't the same thing anymore. You know, like. What they loved about it, that it was real and people were given everything they had and didn't care about winning. They kind of stripped out of it by controlling it all. And so that was very strange. The upside, though, of course, is that helped the sport grow and more people got into it. There's more places to ride. And, you know, the X Games happen once a year. So it's not your your life, right? Like, even if you are riding in those contests, that's not what you're doing all day, every day. Right now it's a television show. Like you kind of, like you're saying it's, yeah. I mean, they, they really started to format it so that the guy at a sports bar could understand it. Not us, the riders who, you know, it had always been just ours. So when it started to grow, it started to become bigger than just the riders. Right. So I, you've been kind of in your second life now, for yeah i know that's a weird way to say it but like for like 10 10 ish years um yeah yeah i mean i had my surgery about 10 years ago and that you know pretty much woke up from that was like i I can't ride bmx anymore so and and so you you were you grew up in michigan but then you moved down to austin and but you're now back up in in michigan um in an absolutely beautiful part of the country um up there in the Uper land. Um, 
but is that like I guess I'm curious like how your your creativity and like the I don't want to say like the the influences of being around stuff Did, like obviously now we're in COVID like it's a little more difficult but like do you continue to go to these events and like again you're like working with bike companies so you're still attached in a certain sense to like what is important to you like is there is there any kind of connectedness in how like you're designing stuff like because you you did build frames for Hoffman for a while then you went to what is it called Etnies is e well so Hoffman yeah Hoffman had an in-house frame building company for a while and they did a signature bike with me but I didn't I never learned how to weld or anything right. um but yeah then Etnies was a shoe sponsor yeah and, yeah and in my day shoe sponsors were the big money because it yeah, was before Vans yeah yeah <laughs> uh yeah, and then and then I started help start Terrible One, which is another BMX company that we did for, or I, I was involved with for about six or seven years. Stepped away from that, then Fairdale. Um, but you're still working I, with Fairdale. Like you started that, what ten years ago? Also, is that right? Yeah, it's about ten. Yeah. Um, I yeah I I I have stepped away quite a lot since I moved up here to the woods. Okay. Um, but I I do like graphics and. I stood on, sit in on the product meetings and help, you know, kind of, I'm still part of it, but just not in charge of running the show anymore. Right. You're more like, I'll, you're really more getting into the, the illustrative animation stuff, but there is still a connected. I mean, a lot of the stuff that I saw still has that resonance through bike riding and, and that kind of sense. Um, yeah. A lot of the stuff that you saw in that cartoon book, I, I do cartoons and illustrations for, pink bike which is the big mountain bike website yeah and uh so i work for them and i'm some some connected to bikes kind of every way i look um and i that's what i'm i really love right now is i live out in the woods and i can go mountain biking and it's a totally different experience than bmx i'm not when i go mountain biking it's just exercise and being in the woods and going fast it's not right you know trying to be creative or trying to like pour everything of my heart and soul into what I'm doing. It's just a bike ride. And so that's pretty cool for me. Right. Yeah. But it's a diff it's a different experience, but I still think it's cool that it's still, it's still part of your life. And so, I mean, it's just a different way of going about it because again, like, you know, what I was saying earlier is like bike riding was probably 99.9% .9 of your life for 25 years or more. And that's you know like it's hard to let let that go that's one of the things i've talked to a lot of the former athletes that we work with and even veterans it's like when that thing ends it's like oh shit you know what's next and and in some ways you probably had that but you you had that underlying creative thing and you probably like fell back on the fact that your former teacher was telling you that he's good. Like, have you talked to him or her recently? No, right. I, I lost touch. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, you know, I, I had that moment for sure when it was over, when I, you know, say four months after my surgery, I realized like, this isn't going to work anymore. Right. Um, it was a bit of a panic. I didn't know what to do. Um, but I think it's yeah, hard. I think it's hard, man. Like it's, it is, it's one of those things where, I mean, I can distinctly remember when I quit playing baseball and it was over and it is like, it's a holy shit moment where yeah. it's, 
I, I, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do. Like, uh, and, and I think that, you know, like even, even for people that are at the highest level, which you were like professional football players or basketball players, and like, you know, even if you have a long run, you're done by your 40 ish and you've still another lifetime of, yeah. of, of stuff to do. Yeah. I was, I was 36 and I mean, I could kind of feel my head kind of go in that direction. I was starting to get really burned out on traveling and I loved riding, but the job part of it was starting to get, I just wanted to stay home and ride by myself. That's all I wanted to do towards the end. And yeah. I could tell I was going that way, but yeah, the injury and the surgery was kind of a light switch. Like, okay, click restart and not, yeah, it took me quite a while to figure out where I was headed. I mean, the, the really cool part for me though, was that it, I fell back in love with bikes in a totally different way. Cause I started just riding, you know, as transportation. And I realized how much I loved just, just being on a bike and pedaling. And I thought that was, it was really exciting to me to like, strip bike riding get rid of all those expectations all the skill you need all the energy you put into it and it's just sitting on a bike and coasting down a street is fun like that just <laughs> yep. feels good yeah so it was cool to like strip it all the way back to like the beginning and still love it um yep. so that, as far as riding wise that's what i went through and that was really cool and that's interesting you know i think a lot of people do go through that that part where that thing that you grew up loving then becomes a job and it does take away some of that love of, of what it is and the reason why we got into the certain thing that we love. And I think it's like, it's such a cool thing for you to, to still have that attachment to that love, but in a completely different way um, to the fact that you're like, again, like you're designing bikes you're designing you know frames for reasons of why you love it i mean like that's that's really pretty badass to me to like to think about it's pretty cool to me too (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's been really amazing and um you know like the people at fairdale it's always blown me away how much they've like let me run with my ideas and you know like I don't know. I don't know. I could go on and on, but it's, it's go for it. (laughs) Well, like with, with, with bikes, like when you're BMX or you, you know, BMX bikes and they're super simple and they're practically a skateboard. There's nothing to them. They're all basically the same. Yep. So I knew, but I knew how to ride a bike and I knew I understood what bikes do really well, but put me on a road bike and I'm baffled. Like, why is this $6,000 and what are all these gears? And I don't understand how this works. And so, you know, starting a bike company with that complete lack of knowledge, just coming at it like kind of like a consumer, like, why is this so confusing? Why is this this way? You know, and I want to buy a $600 bike. I don't want a watered down race bike of a $10,000 bike that's watered down to 5,000, watered down to 3,000, watered down to 600. Like, that's, a, that's not what I want. I just want a bike to get around on. And um, I'm losing my train of thought, but like it was cool to come at this company with 
the all this knowledge because because the brand was part of like i said odyssey it's been around since 85 right. so they have all this amazing knowledge all this amazing manufacturing knowledge but then they kind of let me be a bit naive about stuff so that we could kind of have i don't know like a grounded sensibilities of what our maybe our consumer would be if that makes any sense rather than trying to make like the most technically advanced race bike we could we kind of made bikes for people like me who just wanted to ride around and didn't need all that complication right so I, I don't know i think that was a really cool for them to support that idea and and i try to hold on to those sensibilities i understand bikes a whole lot more now and i, I know how to work on all that stuff and all that other side of it but i, I like remembering what it felt like to walk into a bike shop and just be confused <laughs> <laughs> That is nice. I mean, it, it's, it's also cool. Like you, like you said, you didn't go to, to college for, for a degree in, in design or anything like you, like a really, it's from here and it's from the heart as well. Like it's really truly based on love and, and you have the skill obviously for, you know, for, for drawing and, and thinking. And I, I just, I, I love the idea that, you are manufacturing, I mean, not literally, but manufacturing things in your head and, and putting it out and that they are giving you that platform to do so. Because again, like you, I just, I like the fact that you're like that confusion sense of, of, of thinking about what you used to ride, but then moving over to this other space and just like, what the hell is this? And, but then working through it like, you know, literally like an artist would, like, you know, like you're really kind of the, you know, the brain, the gears in the head are like, okay, we like, we need this. We don't need this. And it's not from a place of, like you said, kind of watered down bullshit. It's like really truly because you love this and you want to make it accessible to everybody, you know? That was a big part of it. You know, it was like, it was such a big part of my life for so long. And when I was a BMXer, my friends would, I'd want them to understand it, but you put a normal person on a BMX bike and it's really hard to ride and they're not comfortable. Yeah. So I love the idea of like being able to make bikes that can yeah, get across some of like that simple love I found and how awesome it is just to cruise down the street and coast to anybody. Like if I can get past that on to other people, like that's definitely the goal like for sure. What, so you moved back up to Michigan uh, again, like I'm, I'm, I'm in some ways, I think I'm a lot like you in that liking to be out in the middle of nowhere, being able to just create and do, do your thing. Like, was that a lot, the, a big part of it? Cause Austin's like such a cool town. Um, but it was, it just like to that point where it's just like, I need, I need my space. I need to, you know, be able to like have my, my, my creative space, my, my thinking space and being away from kind of the day-to-day -day grind, you know, like literal and figuratively. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, so I grew up downstate Michigan, which I'm, I'm up in the UP now yeah. it's nine hours from where I grew up. So I really didn't move home, just, right. but I knew about this place. I came up here as a kid and knew how beautiful it was. But yeah, I always promised myself, I moved to Austin to ride bikes because it was warm all year. Yeah. And I kind of, I don't know, I just had it in the back of my head that someday I would move to the woods somewhere <laughs> quiet so with, with seasons again. Yep. And, um, so when, when I 
wasn't riding bikes for a living, I, I finally gave it a shot and it's been pretty cool up here. Yeah. No, um, dude, that, that, the, the UP is just for people that have never been there. It's, it's otherworldly. Like you don't expect it when you get up there to it for it to be that beautiful. I mean, the- yeah, it's amazing. I mean, and we have like where I am, I'm kind of near Copper Harbor, which is, is a, is a mini mountain, you know, there's not mountains in the Midwest really. Right. And I'm from Ohio. I'm from Columbus. So it's, it's yeah. flat and gray. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is that way downstate too. And then uh, up here there's elevation and it's, you know, Lake Superior is amazing, of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess the other, I mean, I had a lot of head injuries was the other reason. I just, I wanted to like, it felt like there was so much going on in Austin. It was just constant kind of noise in my head. And I, I wanted to get somewhere that was calmer. Right. And I mean, do you quieter. find that creativity is like good for like, I, I always say that creativity is like inherently good for our mental health. It just is like you can sit there and draw and then two hours later, it's like, oh, shit, you know, where did the time go? But it was it was good. Like, was is that another or do you even think about that reason that creativity is like kind of good for that space? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine not having it really because it was it was aimed at my bike before and now it's aimed at other things. But it's I can't help it. My brain's always creating. Yep. And if I yeah, if I. If I don't try to apply it to something, it I'm I'm not happy. So uh, I have figured that out. Like the more the more creative stuff I do, the more the happier I am. So right. uh, keeping that rolling is good for me. Right. But you like like thinking about you and your BMX days. You obviously traveled the world. Probably. Um, do you ever take any of that? experience to your your drawings your illustrations or your animations like some of some of that experience of travel and do you ever think about you know maybe going back out and traveling and to bring it back into your into your space or like right now you're happy in 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 michigan and just feeding off of your experiences i know that was a weird question no no i I need to travel i'm going crazy up here (laughs) Like it's isolated and beautiful and quiet, but I kind of need at least one good trip a year to somewhere cool or I'm starting to lose my mind. Um, (laughs) The last couple of years I've had really awesome trips where I've gone somewhere in Europe and like done a bike packing trip through, you know, at some distance. And, you know, by the time you get home, you can't wait to get home and just relax and have food, you know, but it's so good for your mind to, to, to get out of your and does spot. that does that play into your your drawings or anything I, I mean i guess so it's it's certainly inspirational and uh i don't know <laughs> when i'm doing those really long rides where you're just pedaling eight hours a day i'm definitely thinking about goofy stuff to draw <laughs> <laughs> no I, I say that because i actually i get in my car every year and actually have done it four times this year and drive out west Uh, my business partners actually live in colorado but i've done it for the last 17 years i've done it at least once every year just get you know get in the car and get to the mountains and get to you know wyoming and we actually just bought 20 acres of property in montana 
with the thought of creating an artist athlete residency, which you will be invited to once we <laughs> actually get get buildings on the land. Um, because I think you know, like it is, it, you know, I used that word earlier, but it's in, it's inspiring for for me to like see stuff that you do in terms of like being at the highest level as a BMX freestyler, like world champion, and now doing these incredible creative, you know, like I, I use creative in, in, in a different way. Like, you know, obviously you're creative as a, as a BMX writer, but like your illustrations, your animations and, and that kind of stuff to bring that, not to just kids, but to adults and go, look, I did this growing up, but I always had this as well. And now, you know, like I, they're, they're mixing, you know, like blah, blah, blah. Like, and I just think it's inspiring, like for people to like, see, the, the stuff that you've done and, and are going to do. Uh. Well, thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. It's, I, I'm certainly enjoying it. And, you know, I, I, after bike riding, I did, I did flounder a little bit and I wasn't quite sure what to do, but in recent years, say last five, this has felt really right. Like this is the right path to just keep growing I don't know, artistically, I guess, like yeah. just keep pushing. I mean, it's, it's a skill like anything and I have loads to learn. And I don't know when you're talking about painting or drawing or animating, there's 50 million people who can do it better than me, but I'm learning bit by bit. And um, I mean, technically better than me. And then, and then uh, I am learning to apply my ideas to these genres and it, it's super cool. Yeah. I mean, do you have, uh, and, go ahead. So, uh, and travel wise, uh, I'm with you. I'm, I'm RV shopping right now. Like I need nice. to get out <laughs> on the road. So I have this idea that I could like write a book in while I'm traveling around in an RV. So I'm kind of, kind of considering that. Right Absolutely, now. dude. That, that would be sick. I think that'd, that'd be, be cool. Like, yeah. No, I like that. That's jokingly my business partner and I, like we, he always goes on like a mini part of my trip when I'm out there and we always take thousands of photographs like half of them are literally us driving 80 miles an hour with the camera out the window but we want to put a book together of all these different photographs from these drives i'm going to do it like myself because i do that anyways but i bring that back into my paintings like you wouldn't look at my paintings and think they were landscape paintings but it's that experience of just being out in that space so like that's what kind of drives me and and how like i really think about you know, you, you mentioned like bike riding in Europe, like I'm sure that has to feed in to like how you think. Yeah. Uh, although I'm on a slightly lower level than you, I, I'd probably hear someone say something funny out of context and draw it as a pun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's, I love that. It's uh, in, inspired by it. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, but I mean, last year we went and rode around the Alps and it was, you know, one of the most beautiful places in the entire world and you can't be inspired it's awesome quick break reminder to make sure to check out Taj's site at tajmahalich.com and you can also follow him on Instagram at tajlucas also a reminder to check out our other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, The Abstract Doctors with Dr. G and Dr. C. Follow us at theabstractdoctors.com or on social media under The Abstract Doctors. 
and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandridge podcast, which you can follow on social media under One Man's Ethos or check us out at onemansethos.com. And you can also follow Tony on Instagram at Tony Mandridge or on Twitter at Tony underscore Mandridge. And you can go check out his incredible photographs at TonyMandridge.com. Now back to Taj. I don't want to give a where do you want to be in five years kind of a thing but you know like what like do you want to keep putting out books do you want to keep doing animations like do you want to I mean are you trying to get your animations you know out on uh, you know mm, I why well, I just finished the project for outside tv and this is the first one they've had me work for them directly I did some stuff for another company that was going to be on their network Nice. And and this time they reached out to me directly and that's pretty cool. I mean, that's like total freelance work. Like it's, you know, they, they give me the story and I, I draw it and that uh, there's more animation stories I want to tell, but I don't really, I don't know. I think that stuff's a little bit more personal, just like cool stories I have in my head that I want to express some way or tell, you know, that are just getting lost in time. because there's no video footage and nobody knows them. Right. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, I am really enjoying books. I did a kid's book a couple of years, a year ago. Yep. And that was really cool. And I want to have another one done kind of by spring. Cool. And I think my goal I realize I, I, I want to accomplish soon is have, I want to be able to put like three or four months into a book with no other work, like not be juggling freelance stuff, not be trying to keep everything else going. Just, just concentrate on a book for three or four months. And I don't know what it will be, but I can kind of feel it cooking, you know, like you've got that creative bug and it's, yep. it's forming, but it's still like a bit of a, a fog right now, yep. but it's coming. Who, uh, and I, I always ask this question, but it's like, it's always kind of a weird one. Who's like an inspiration for you? Like, is there, I mean, and it can be, you know, other BMX guys, it can be artists, it could be a musician, like, uh, speaking of which, have you ever played, like, you, are you a band guy? You ever play any? I was in Austin, I was in a band, we toured around a bit. <laughs> right. I was going to say, you're I, in Austin, you have to almost be in a band. <laughs> exactly. I, I was a pretty amazing thing. Um, I made, I, we had this big ramp in Austin, so people would come over and skate and ride, and I made friends with I think one of the most amazing musicians in Austin, he's one of those guys that can play every instrument. He works in the recording studios and he just kind of adopted me and like would play drums and would let me learn to play bass. What was his name? And Brian Nelson. He's the Brian Nelson. international, the president of the international beard association. He's got a huge beard and he travels all over the world judging beard contests and stuff. Nice. It's pretty interesting character. But yeah, I got to play with these amazing musicians who would just let me play whatever the hell I wanted. They'd work around me. Um, I didn't, I mean, our band, our music wasn't, I don't know, our band was sort of rough, but uh, it was really fun. It was a good hobby. It was the first hobby I ever had, I think, where I didn't feel like I had to be really good at it. It was just fun. Right. But anyway, um, I forgot what you were saying. No. Oh, it's, I was, I was saying influences, but I like the music. To, I, I, I'm a singer. So like I, I still miss 
being on stage, like that experience. Cause again, like I, I, I think about the things that I've done in the past, which kind of mirror yours just in different spaces. Like I was a baseball player. I've played, you know, been in a band sang and now I'm an artist and, you know, very, very similar trajectories, but that experience of being on stage compared to being like doing freestyle, like, can you explain that like to people? Because I, I know what it's like for me being on stage as a singer compared to what it was like being on a baseball field or having like an exhibition. It's just, well, I, yeah, well, okay. I was not, I really enjoyed playing music and it was really fun for me, but I, it was only at the very end of playing in the band and kind of like our last tour where we were on the road for a while that I could even play without like counting in my head. Right. The whole time I was just trying to count, not screw up, you know? And uh, so it wasn't, I never really got to the point where I was playing on feeling and instinct. Right. Um, I mean, it's fun being on stage and stuff, but yeah, I was also nervous and counting and like just looking down at my hands. Right, right, right. So it, it didn't compare to BMX at all, but it was a uniquely humbling experience to get up in front of people. I could get up in front of anyone on my bike and feel totally confident. Like I can do this. I belong here. Right. When I got up on stage on music, it was like, I'm not that good at this. Right. <laughs> this isn't what I do really. <laughs> Don't so pay attention just, to the bass player. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I thought it was a really valuable ego lesson for me to like, right. it's okay to not be really good at this. You can just enjoy it. And, and, and you can live through it. Cause I, I would be really insecure about like, I mean, I would know, I would be totally uncomfortable being on a bike in front of a bunch of people and not being able to ride at the level I thought I should. Right. Yeah. Well, there's a vulnerability to that, like that I think is really interesting. And I, I, I talk a lot about this with other people is like, we're all vulnerable people and, you know, different people have different shyness components and being on stage in front of thousands of people like you're everybody's nervous it's just different people put it out there more than others but it's it i mean did you still get nervous at the end of your bmx i mean like still at least have the butterflies was it in bmx it was different right i put my hand on those grips and i wasn't scared anymore right. it was really uh that's all I needed, you know? Right. Um, and yeah, music, <laughs> music was like the opposite. It right. was, it was fun because it, it was scary. Right. Well, I, so, so I guess like who, like who are maybe some, some influences and again, like it can be from any, any world. Well, when, when I was doing the bike company, terrible one T1, um, we hired a guy in Austin named Michael Sieben, who is a, I think he's, he's one of my all time favorite artists and um, he worked for us for a while and it was super inspiring. I'd walk by his desk multiple times a day and he'd be, we just basically hired him to draw and he would be just creating stuff. And it was really cool to see. Um, I mentioned him also because I often worry, I maybe try to mimic his style too much. I don't intentionally, but sometimes I'm like, oh, that kind of looks like Michael's stuff, you know? But I mean, it's because I, I love his work. So, uh, but I think that that's, I think that that's normal. Like, I think when we, when we're influenced, I mean, I, I'm sure you did that on the bike as well. 
like you had guys that you like liked trick or something that shit i gotta try that you know and that that's just being influenced and yeah 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 i, I i'm definitely influenced by him i mean i have like three of his paintings hanging in my house i can't help but like right oh look how he did that i want to figure that out right. but um yeah i don't know i i think i've moved my direction away from him enough that it's not the same anymore but it he's just someone i really look up to yeah. um and then you know i wrote for hoffman matt hoffman who is like <laughs> goofball, but like the ultimate inspiration just in that he never, ever, ever, ever stops. You know, he should have stopped riding many years ago. They told him his arm was going to fall off if he crashed again. And he kept on riding, you know, like, and somehow got through it and just, you know, never, ever, ever give up kind of thing. Right. Um, I don't know. I pick up stuff everywhere, but those are the big ones I think I can think of. Right. No, I, that, that Hoffman's not a bad, <laughs> bad person to pick. I mean, that guy, like guy is world-class. So I, yeah. Um, so in your, in your travels, I always like to ask these, these like kind of generic kind of questions, but in, in your travels, like what, what are some of the places that you loved like going like and and if ever you know ever you move out of the woods would would want to move to or or just want to go back to i mean you mentioned the alps but again like being being where you were like i think you were able to like probably travel the world more than a lot of people i wasn't i was able to travel a lot but the downside was it was quite rushed, you know, get to this event, get home, get to the next one. And oftentimes, most of the time it was going to some, you know, indoor event that was a bunch of ramps that were the same as the ramps I rode the week before. Right. So unfortunately I'd go to these amazing places and I wouldn't see anything, you know, like maybe like a short bike ride through the city or something, but it wasn't, it's not till later that I actually started to travel and, like enjoy where I went, you know, like I did some, I did a trip to Japan where I, uh, I basically got flown there to be the token old pro. I wasn't <laughs> going to ride BMX there right? To, to make it interesting. And cause I had time, I rode my bike from Tokyo to Nagoya just by myself, just freestyling and got lost in Japan for a week. And that's a way better way to see the, the, you know, a place. Yep. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, New Zealand, was pretty amazing. I wouldn't mind living there. I very, I very seriously would live in the Swiss Alps. So yeah. <laughs> it's so good there. I don't know. I've actually joked about it, but I probably would move there if I could easily. <laughs> no, <laughs> and, then, you know, and then now that I'm in, enjoying mountain biking, like Whistler, Canada, and that sort of area is just epic riding. I would. Yep. be happy to ride there every day is i do you still pay attention to like x game stuff like is there anybody that you find really interesting you know like doing i haven't watched stuff? x game since like 1997 no i i really really dislike those Dis events that, okay i mean is there any the one any... in them i wouldn't watch them <laughs> right i mean is there any but, uh, any freestyle guys that you like really enjoy watching 
Oh, there's so many. I, I don't follow it as much as I should. But um, last year I did some stuff for Vans and they took me to some of their events. They do this event called the Pro Cup, which is basically like cement bowl riding. And that's something I was never good at. Riding cement bowls is really difficult. And seeing those guys ride was so mind-blowing. I mean, I, I could list everyone in the contest and just – I follow them all and it's so great to watch. Right. Um, well, cause I think, I mean, I always think that, you know, again, like you were kind of in the heyday, like at the start of like when things really started exploding and in, in anything like creative or, or physical, like things grow. And just like, like some of the things that I'm sure like some of these freestylers that are doing stuff now, like you could not have even imagined, you know, 10, 15 oh, years ago. And it has I can't, to blow your mind. It does. It does. It does. Like when I was at those events, I'd, I'd like see some lines like that. Maybe those guys weren't doing it. And like, I would do that line, that line. And I'd start to think, you know, ego talking, like, maybe <laughs> I could do it. I could, I got some stuff they're not doing, but then you'd see stuff that was so beyond. Yeah. My wildest dreams, you know, like, right. Right. Like I, I can, so the, the last one I went to, there was like a seven foot tall ramp, quarter pipe in the bowl. And I know from near 20 years of being a pro that on a seven foot ramp, you might be able to go eight, maybe nine feet tall, high. That's maxing out. That's really all that's possible. And I'd see these guys go like 15 feet high out of it. It was absolutely doesn't make sense. I don't understand it. <laughs> And it blew me away and let it, let alone the tricks, but just, just pure air time was right. a whole nother level now. That has to be, I mean, that just has to be like mind blowing. Like just to see how things have just changed so much. Cause again, like you said, it's not like the equipment has drastically changed in the sport. And it, it, I don't know, like it, it's, it is, it has to be just kind of mind blowing. You know, what's really cool about BMX and this would be true in skateboarding too, is there's like spots. There's like spots in Austin that people have been riding. They were riding it for 10 or 15 years before I moved to Austin in 93. So people have been riding these spots forever. Same spot hasn't changed. And you just kind of see the progression through the years, the stuff people do at that spot. And I love watching that. Like I love seeing, you know, uh, this rider Brad Sims just rode this like wall, wall ride spot that I used to ride in 93 and it, like I said it was old back then and he's doing stuff that I don't know it's so beyond what seems possible and it's just cool imagine be, what's going to happen in 10 more years it's going to be yeah I, I love watching it get reinterpreted and refigured out and yeah see it continue to keep growing you know yep. like you think you think it's all figured out. Like what more can you do? All you can do is spin around more than the other guy. But, but that's, that's like, again, like, cause those, those riders probably go back and watch like video of you and they're, it, and it's, it goes back to the creative, the creativity aspect is like, you're an influence in that world. They're taking it to that next step. It's like, when you look at, um, what's his name? Michael Sabian No, Brian Nelson. Who was it? Sieben. Sieben. When, when you looked at his, his drawings, it's like, he's in, inspirational to you, but you're taking it to another space. 
it's like it's very much similar that we get influenced by these things, but we always it, it's almost like competition in some ways. We always want to take it to that next space to to make it ours and make it you know like and 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 get somebody to go holy shit that oh whoa that's like that's awesome you know i just i always i always love that how it, it's like a stair step you know how we take those uh, things and, and influenced and move it forward yeah i i mean i feel that with my own work just seeing it kind of grow and like my sort of technical capabilities growing with you know being able to make the stuff in my head come out yeah. um it's neat to see how it kind of compounds and yeah you build off what you did before what yeah. you learned and yeah that's just like something i've realized recently too it's just how developing my my skills helps me be able to create what i what i want to see exist i never really understood that i thought people who could draw and create art just it just came out of them right but <laughs> now I've realized more and more, at least for me, it's developing a skill. It's just like it's riding. Practice. Exactly. Exactly. Nail, yeah. nail on the head. It's that's what I tell students all the time. Cause I work with a lot of athletes and I'm just like, this is no different than you playing soccer. Remember the first time you played soccer, you sucked at it. You kept playing soccer. You got better at it. Sit down with a pencil. Like you're going to suck at it the first time you're going to get better if you keep doing it. It's just practice. Um, yeah. I think we're all creative beings. Um, I just think most people stop. And I think we all should be creative beings because I think it's like I mentioned earlier, like it's just good for us. It's, you know, just like physical exercise. This is mental exercise. It's just good for our, our brains. So, um, but I, you know, like I, I do like, we'll, we'll kind of like wrap up here, but I, you know, I do appreciate like you coming on because I do think, again, like you're doing things that, and have done things that we find like extraordinary. Um, you know, I'm sure like you're a humble person. You're, you're like, ah, I just did what I did, but like you, you did some really cool shit back in the day as a BMX writer and you're doing really cool shit and continuing to do cool shit. And it's like, and like you said, like you're still growing as an illustrator and an, as a designer and that to me is like what's going to be cool is to see where that stuff goes in the next 10 years or five years or whatever. And like how, how it, you know, evolves and, and, and what it, what, where it evolves, I guess. Yeah. I'm excited too. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's like, uh, a, it's not even a question, but yeah, but I don't know. I, I, well, I am excited. I feel really like I'm on the right path and it all seems to be working. Yep. Um, I, I can afford to eat and like <laughs> I'm live, live just doing kind of really just what I want to do. So that's right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to keep driving forward with it and see where it takes me. I have to ask you the stupid question. What's your favorite band? Like, so you did, you grew up or you, you didn't grow up, but you lived down in Austin during, I mean, South by Southwest, which is one of the great music venue or festivals in the world. Like, do you have, oh, I, I know it's a horrible question to ask. It is a horrible question. Cause I, I wouldn't be able to say I have a favorite one, but I get, I don't know. I had, I had a really, really cool experience with this band called the redneck manifesto, which is an instrumental band from Ireland, Ireland. 
I got to take them on tour one year. I, I liked them so much. I actually drove them around on tour. Like I was a tour manager and I'll just give, I'm sure you'd want to wrap this up, but I'll give you no, a brief go story. For it. I, I, I'm not, no, it's no rush. So we, they, they, nobody knew who they were, right? They're fans from Ireland and we're on tour and it's a Wednesday night in like Alabama. And there's like 10 people there just at a bar getting drunk and they would start playing and everybody at every show, everywhere we went, no matter how jaded the crowd was, would drop what they were doing and just get hypnotized on this band. And just, I mean, I, like you said, I lived in Austin. I've been through South by Southwest. I've seen a zillion bands. I've never, ever seen a crowd act the way they would when this band would play. <laughs> I'm looking them really, up right now. It, you should. It, yep. it was really, really, really cool and magical experience to like see see that effect right. and uh and i got to see it every night because i took him on tour right so uh it was it was real it wasn't like a one-off it, it was really cool um i really love those guys and i, I got to know them and stuff they're, they're yeah. friends pretty cool no i'm not i'm just i'm gonna have to listen to this later but i like again i think those i'm i'm, I'm sure that your experiences of being on the road as a as as a writer and like, ha like the, your experiences have to feed into your creativity. Like, I, I think you're right. I think I would love to see an illustration, a book of you like <laughs> in an RV trip, but even like the stories that you just said with, with that, like that to me is like a book in itself, you know? Like those, it becomes like your life becomes like a filter for the stories that are like come through you. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I just, I, I think that that becomes like really cool. I'm, I'm fascinated to listen to these guys now. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's good music to work to. That, that's, um, that's good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a really exciting part of animation for me is you, I can tell stories like that any, any way I want to. Yep. Um, it's a lot of work. That's the bad side of animation. It's a lot of grinding away at a desk. There's no way around it, but right. uh, I'm with you. I mean, I want to tell those stories too. And I want to, that's a, the way I can tell them. But see, so. it's like, again, like not many people have done like a, a have been on tour or been the <laughs> tour manager. Like those, those things, like they stay with you forever. And, and I think people actually, because they don't get to do that shit, I think people that don't get to do it are just, they love seeing that, you know? So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm lucky there for sure. Like yeah. it was. Well, dude, cool. I, any, I mean, anything else that you want to like, I will definitely promote the, you know, your new book. Um, and, you know, I'm excited to see like where things go because again, I'm just, it feels like you're, you're excited about what you're doing, which I think is like a huge part of when people make work, when you can actually feel it, uh, when you look at it. So, um, I'm just excited to see how things grow for you because I do feel like, you know, you, you know, you've said a couple of times that you're, you're still in the learning process as we all are as creative individuals. Like we, you know, we go through those, those changes and, and, tweaks the rest of our lives but um, i'm just like excited to see 
um, where it goes. But I, I do like, it was just cool talking. It was cool meeting you. And thanks to Dean for, for putting us together because, uh, you know, you really do fit right into what we, we talk about and it's just, just cool stuff. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah. Um, yeah. I hope if I'm in any way inspiring to anybody else, that's great news. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think exactly what you said is right. Like it's a skill you just keep practicing. And, um, the more you work at it, the more you can figure out how to get the stuff you want to see in the real world into the real world. Very sad. Really big thanks to Taj again for jumping on today. Such interesting stories to hear from his past as a BMX rider and, and his musician days as well. Really loved hearing about his designs and his creative pursuits. Again, make sure to go to his website, tajmahalich.com, and you can also follow him on Instagram at Taj Lucas. Do not forget to listen to other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, The Abstract Doctors with Dr. G and Dr. C. Follow us at theabstractdoctors.com or on social media under The Abstract Doctors. And One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandridge podcast, which you can follow on social media at One Man's Ethos or check us out at onemansethos.com. You can also follow Tony on Instagram at Tony Mandridge or on Twitter at Tony underscore Mandridge and check out his amazing photographs at TonyMandridge.com. Thank you for listening to The Abstract Athlete Podcast. Stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com, and social media outlets for future events, pop-up exhibits, podcasts, and other information, including creative training journals and subscription boxes. See you next time when we talk with artist, an incredible artist, and U.S. Navy veteran Kristen Cronick. Thanks as always. Do not forget to exercise the body and do not forget to exercise the mind. Stay well out there.